0: Just like that, the final hour is here on this Monday edition. i kick 360. Coming up, we'll discuss the parody or lack thereof that the NFL is pushing for the playoffs. They've added teams. It doesn't mean new teams are entering the conference championship matchups. Details coming up. Uh, Jeff Bezos has yet to make a bid to buy the Washington Commanders. That is official, officially official that he hasn't, made that bid but reports are he's willing to sell the washington post which he purchased a couple of years back for like 250 million in order to make daniel snyder happy that's the relation from the bezos post washington commander's connection daniel snyder doesn't like bezos of course the washington post has been trying to force the hand of the owner trying to force him out as the owner of the Washington Commanders. This is go this goes back a ways. And according to the New York Post, some have believed that Bezos is willing to sell the Washington Post in order at, to make a goodwill gesture to Daniel Snyder to sell the team to him. Now, keep in mind, they still, he would still need two-thirds majority vote through the league to approve him to purchase the commanders. But, Chad, if this comes down to what Daniel Snyder is willing to make Bezos do, when it's all said and done, the guy's going to make between 5 and $6.5 and billion dollars off of this sale. This is as petty as it gets. I mean,
1: who's really winning here? Dan Snyder. Exactly. Like, I don't... Okay, so you just can't, I don't want this guy to have his hands on my football. He's giving you $6 billion.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: I mean, go buy yourself four other professional teams and other sports, if you'd like, with that money that you're going to make. He's, he's not the only Jeff one. Jeff that have,
0: Others have made official bids. That's the thing. Great. So he, He's taking one of his enemies and saying, okay, like sell the post the, the, and stop writing bad things about me, and maybe I'll consider you.
1: Again, like I, let me consider you to hand me $6 billion. What a world. That's the NFL Daniel right there Snyder, in Snyder, who was horrific as an owner of a, of a team, yeah. now has the power to sit back and sit across some boardroom that I picture a 100 yards long and tell some other billionaire, prove to me why I should take your $6 billion instead of someone else's $6 billion, to get rewarded for being a terrible owner in the National Football League. What an unbelievable world to live in that I will never fully comprehend. And Jeff Bezos, if you really think that, I mean, first off, I'm not, if I'm Jeff Bezos and I truly don't like Daniel Snyder and I want to continue to cover him negatively, which by the way, it's pretty easy to do to cover that franchise negatively, anyone could do it. I don't think you have to have a personal vendetta against someone to cover the truth and talk about how bad the organization is and how poorly it's been run by Daniel Snyder. It could have been the Washington Post. could have been anyone. Other people have covered them negatively as well. ESPN covers them negatively because they make it very easy. Because if you're covering them honestly, you're covering them negatively because of Daniel Snyder. Anyway, I digress. The fact that Dan Snyder now gets to decide who's going to pay him $6 billion, and that it might be Jeff Bezos, if you really want to punish... Daniel Snyder try to drive the price down not up don't be involved in buying the team when Jeff Bezos name gets involved if someone really wants it that's just going to drive the price up if you want to hurt Tan Snyder do anything in your power well, to drive the price down
0: but the but but if you're wanting to be an NFL owner and Bezos has been rumored as, as part is as, is as showing interest in past organizations. The NFL price tag is only going up. So if the net, if you're not buying the Commanders now, well, you're going to have to set the new record when the Seattle Seahawks are for sale in a year and a half. So you're going to end up paying more anyway. So you try to win the bidding war now. Just like the Walton, just like Rob Walton did with the Broncos when he paid $4.8 billion with him and his ownership group, and everyone's going, whoa, you paid what? For the Broncos, well, now we're looking at upwards of six, according to front office sports, and who knows what Seattle brings in a year and a half to two years, based on that.
1: You know, I've never been involved in some high-end pissing contest to this level, to understand the stakes and what's going on. But again, if I'm Jeff Bezos, I'm thinking, I'm going to give my seven bill to the Seahawks family and to the Seahawks ownership instead of Daniel Snyder. Some other fool is going to pay him that money to, to own the team. I'm not going to give him that money. But these guys operate in a world where it's almost more of an injustice if he takes my money, all of my money, and I have to hand him my well, team. Well, this is
0: also an ownership group, though. This is Bezos would be the majority owner based on the report of the offer. But it also includes Jay-Z, Matthew McConaughey, and a group of others. It's like Condoleezza Rice is in on the Denver Broncos ownership group, right? Like yeah. there, there are other factors here. Josh Harris, a D.C. native, has been the main person mentioned, the owner of the Devils and the 76ers. He's been the main guy mentioned as to who could possibly purchase the Commanders. But this, to me, is just another way of Dan Snyder trying to get back at the paper from the the town, the city where... All of this is stirred up and forced him out because he he doesn't want to sell the team, right? Based on his actions in recent years. But he's going to, and he's going to go out on his own accord while he can before he is voted out. And the NFL owners are sitting back going, Yeah, go ahead and do this. That way we don't set precedent of voting an owner out.
1: So they're all for it. It's high stakes. Ty Stakes, these guys. Do you know who Bezos needs or Daniel Snyder needs to rep them when they go into negotiations? Who's that? Shannon Sharp. (laughs) Yes. Because Shannon Sharp, if anyone can defend someone and be friends with someone and fight for someone the way Shannon Sharp fights for LeBron James, you need that person in your corner. It also helps that Shannon Sharp is incredibly jacked to this day and could tussle with almost anyone. I am laughing like crazy at what happened with Shannon Sharp and the Memphis Grizzlies players and John ja Morant's dad, uh, dad from this past weekend. Stories up at OutKick.com right now. By the way, you can read it from David Hookstead. It's a hilarious story, Hutton. The fact that you have a celebrity to the level of Shannon Sharp getting into it with players and players knowing who he is. Oh yeah, and going at it with him. This is great. Look, I don't think this was fake. I think this was real. But if I were the producers of Undisputed. And Shannon Sharp would agree to do this. I would do this as a work. It worked so well. I would do this to make it fake to drum up support and to drum up some publicity I don't think for it's the fake show. Because the, the players oh, it's are not, watching. It's this not just fake. like they're
0: watching Stephen. It's a. not
1: fake. I'm saying it's so perfect. It almost seems like I would Vince have created it. Yes, if I ran the show, I'd have said, you know what? Let's have you get into a fight with Dylan Brooks with <laughs> John ja Morant. John ja Morant's dad's going to be a part of it. Uh, Shannon Sharp gets escorted out after Ever- getting this little tussle. And then it takes place just before halftime. Yeah, it go- goes out at halftime. He gives these quotes to ESPN. The quote's hilarious about he said bleep me and I said bleep you and you don't <laughs> want this. And it's great. And then Shannon Sharp, uh, after, sorry, Shannon Sharp goes back out. He's allowed back into his, his seats. He sits, with, um, he sits with T. Morant, who is John Morant's dad. And T. Morant, offered up the perfect quote to sum up this deal. By the way, they're fine. Everything's fine. No issues. They were, you know, hugging each other and dapping it up and just watch the second half with no issues. Uh, but T. Morant, Jaws dad, you ready for this quote, Hutton? This is from David Hookstead's article. You can read it at outkick.com. He says, Shannon didn't do anything. Hey, he was doing like we do in South Carolina. Reminds me of that's how they do it in West Virginia, a classic <laughs> Pac-Man Jones quote. Yes, He said, we talk our bleep. South Carolina, stand up. That's how he closed the quote to ESPN. And there's photos now of Shannon Sharp and T Morant enjoying the second half of the game. I love this South story. South Carolina stand up and as he stands in Los Angeles, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so perfect, Hutton. This whole story, it's as if it was written into a sports movie. You know, like this is like an Adam Sandler sports I mean, movie and you get Shannon Sharp to play Shannon Sharp, play himself, and go to a Lakers game courtside and then almost get into an altercation with the opposing team. I love it. I mean, it's it, great.
0: Uh, it's it's great. It also, I mean, we have seen fans kicked out for less. Yes. You know, like uh, a player can oh, point and yeah. say, got to, he got remove to go him, back. get
1: him out of here. Yeah. And, and the players out of there, or the, excuse me, well, the fans would, would, out you would, of there. Let me tell you why he came back and why he was allowed. Because LeBron James probably told them, "It's my boy. Let's well, go back." And it's LeBron James said post game again at the dot com. There's a video of him post game saying that he's basically ride or die with <laughs> Shannon Sharp and that he loves him and he'll defend him and I'll defend Shannon Sharp. So someone with LeBron's camp probably said, "Yeah, he's not getting kicked out. He's coming back." And again, it didn't lead to anything awful. You know, he's sitting there laughing with T. Morant in the second half, um, but. Hutton, it's a, it's a story made for OutKick. And you can read about it at OutKick.com right now. Terrific job by David Hookstead with the story. I love it. Saquon Barkley. We need more celebrities getting into it with players courtside. That's well, what I want to see unless it's of Skip
0: Bayless. It. So if people were reacting different if it's Skip Bayless and not Shannon Sharp from the same show. Skip Bayless. Well,
1: being a Lakers game with LeBron there, Skip Bayless isn't coming back. If he gets escorted well, out, he's not, he's not being allowed back in the second half. That's the difference. Saquon Barkley just
0: played out the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. He set a career high, over 1,300 yards rushing. Played fantastic. Proved that he's healthy. He's ready to go. Reports are that at the bye week of this year, he turned down upwards of $12 million per year in an extension. Reports are today that he's not looking to reset the running back market, which I smirk at. Of course he is, if he can. I think the thing is, what? how do, how do the Giants play this now? Because, I mean, I don't think they want to franchise tag him because that's $10 million guaranteed. They've got to decide what they're going to do with Daniel Jones. If they franchise tag Daniel Jones, that's $33 million, around $33 million for next year locked in with the injury guarantee as well. I don't I don't see how they don't go ahead and extend both of these guys because it's more uh cap friendly to do it now. And I can't believe the report that Saquon Barkley turned down upwards of 12 million per season in an extension during the middle of the season. I don't know why you don't take that then, given his injury history, given the fact that you've got all the momentum on your side, and given the fact that when you start to look at these Running back salaries—they're only
1: going down, not up. I sign on the dotted line immediately for that offer. If true, do you think that the the one thing that I'll say, and I'm not defending that decision, I'm with you. I, w- I would sign it also. Is there a chance that Saquon Barkley is just telling his representation legitimately? I don't want to talk about money in season, or he doesn't want to play there. It's one of, like that's what I thought too. That's that's the other possibility. I don't think that's the case with Me him, either. especially yeah. now that they finally got good and they went to the playoffs, then he probably wants to come back now with everything he's experienced before. They got a good coach. Quarterback's playing better. They go to the playoffs. They win a game in the playoffs. Makes me think he'd want to stay. I just see that, and I think maybe Saquon Barkley is just blanket statement telling his representation, don't talk money with me now. Wait till the season's over, then we'll talk contract. Well, he's already said he'd like to stay in New York
0: for his entire career. I don't doubt him on that. But if, I mean... Even more so if you've got uh, Joe Shane, who's offering him this big extension in the middle of the uh, of the season. I don't know how if that's the case you don't take it. I mean, you've got Christian McCaffrey who's making what sixteen million. Yeah. Um, Henry was scheduled to make twelve. They gave him a two million dollar bump, so he's making fourteen this year. Saquon's right up there, and at twelve per over the duration, and and what he just played for too. I mean, Chad, I. I just don't buy it, that he was offered that type of money in the middle of the year.
1: Well, and what does that mean about the reports? I'm not looking to reset any markets. I'm realistic you know, about what, well, is he's, one man's realistic well, but is another man's flight of fancy.
0: So the reset, I think, assumption comes from he turned down the 12 because McCaffrey's getting
1: 16. So he, to reset it, he's got to get more than that per year. Yeah, but my, here, follow me here. One man's realistic is another man's flight of fancy. What he may think is realistic is I'm the best running back in the NFL. So realistically, I want to make a little bit more than McCaffrey. Right. That's not me trying to – I'm not looking at this like resetting the market. I'm being realistic about my value, which is slightly more than what the highest paid person is making. Maybe he's seeing reset the market as I'm not looking to – double up someone and pay or like change this thing and set the bar way up here for running back moving forward i just think i'm the best i'm gonna get paid maybe in between henry and and mccaffrey's what he's thinking maybe a little bit more than mccaffrey but it could be semantics we're talking about it just says he's realistic i liked everything the guy said
0: post game after the loss i'm not really too concerned about resetting any running back markets or anything like that i'm realistic. Um I know what I was on pace to do, but having two years filled up with injuries, having a season not performing to the level I know I can perform doesn't help. I think I was able to show the type of caliber player I am, the things I'm able to do on a football field. That's something I wanted to do. That was my goal. I was able to accomplish that. He did. All well said. And he was at peak performance around the bye week whenever the Giants were you know, rolling. Um, I like the overall nucleus that they can now build around there, starting with their head coach. Daniel Jones should be a, a quarterback they invest in. It doesn't have to be, speaking of resetting the market, that's why I wouldn't franchise tag him. I wouldn't pay him the $33 million. I would try to get like a three-year deal. It's not It's Maybe similar to what Kirk Cousins got a couple years back in Minnesota. But you can see how they can win and build around offensive line, Saquon Barkley, and then the defense that, with some young draft picks, starting with Thibodeau, uh, and they've got... Ojalar on the opposite side, I like what
1: New York has in, in place currently. And, and Dexter Lawrence Dex- also on that defensive line yep. with Thibodeau. I, I love their young core up front uh, on defense. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Andrew Thomas is one of the best young tackles on the offensive line in football. They've, they've got a solid squad, and now they have the coach. And to have that stability at quarterback with Daniel Jones possibly and Saquon Barkley – That's a a team to reckon with in the NFC East moving forward. I'm curious to see if... We we need to hear further on Mike McCarthy in Dallas.
0: But the restricted and unrestricted free agent list in Dallas is lengthy. It's a lot like the Bills. Uh, For off-season planning purposes, Dalton Schultz, who was the franchise tag player last season at tight end, he's an unrestricted free agent now. Tony Pollard, same. Um... Vander Esch at linebacker, Anthony Brown at corner, Chad, your guy, Cooper Rush, unrestricted My free God. agent, Anthony Barr, Dante Fowler, Ty Hilton, Jonathan Hankins. I mean, it's a fairly lengthy list. And, you know, the jokes are everyone's forgetting to mention Mike McCarthy as an unrestricted free agent. But the biggest question comes down to what are they doing with Zeke Elliott's contract and Dak Prescott? How do you get more out of him than what you've already seen at this point? Especially when you start looking at the, the landscape at quarterback in the NFL. And he was already the oldest QB playing this year in the playoffs. Moving forward and knowing what you've seen in Philly, New York's not going anywhere. Washington, they perform better than we would have expected based on the off-season and off-the-field distractions plus all the injuries that they went through, and the fact that Carson Wentz as their quarterback. How do you approach it if you're Jerry Jones, knowing that you're not getting any younger, and you want to win again? If that's the... I mean, we, uh, we know one thing about Jerry. He's not going to sit back and lose. But he's, he's locked into this deal with Dak, paying him upwards of, what is it, $35, $40 million 40000000 dollars on average, annually, and yeah. they just lost his, to a quarterback making 750.
1: This is what's difficult, is his his best chance to win a Super Bowl right now is to, is to stay the course and to stick with Dak Prescott at quarterback and hope that with he that figures it out and wins big in the playoffs with a young defense getting a year better. And CeeDee Lamb continues to play at that level and Schultz and everything else, and you come back and – You saw a team in flashes in the regular season that looked like they could win a Super Bowl. They looked like they could win a Super Bowl in Tampa in the playoffs. Back-to-back years where they're putting up
0: tons of points.
1: Yeah. But you're also just denying that Dak Prescott just probably isn't that guy that's going to win those big games for you. But the options are so limited because even if you acknowledge, okay, Dak Prescott's not going to win us a Super Bowl, we got to go find our guy, it's going to take time. If you go draft someone, what is the cost of that if you're moving up? to try to draft a quarterback that you want in the draft, still going to be a rookie. Then it leaves you with the option of what we're talking about with Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Packers are likely, according to Adam Schefter, he didn't mince words when he put this report out, they fully acknowledge a trade's probably going to happen, likely to happen. Is well, still set up for that. Everyone's talking about, will the Cowboys trade for Sean Payton to bring him in as coach? What do you think about the Cowboys' chances of winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and not Dak Prescott? While keeping in mind, Aaron Rodgers hasn't won a Super Bowl since 2010. He's also talking MVP. It's been, yeah, it's been a long time for Aaron Rodgers, too. So I I just, it's a tough spot to be in for the Cowboys. I just think your most likely chance of winning the Super Bowl is just sticking with Dak Prescott, even though I don't think he's ever going to do it. Well, and you can do it. I think you can do that for one more
0: year because you have CeeDee Lamb on his rookie contract. Micah Parsons, Diggs on the defensive side, so you've got the money to where you can still allocate all your funds at quarterback. But Tony Pollard's got to come back, and now he's got the broken ankle that he suffered in the final game going into the offseason. I mean, terrible.
1: I mean, clearly, obviously, terrible timing to have that happen in the divisional round for the team. Terrible for him. Yeah, with that in their in their final game in the divisional round to have that kind of injury, not good. What does it say, if anything, that three of the four
0: remaining teams are repeats from last season in the NFL? We'll discuss that next, and now kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May
1: 5th, Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything
0: is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, our location daily for Outkick 360. Chad, there were seven new playoff teams that didn't make the postseason last year in the NFL. Three though, three of the final four that we're left with, were here at this time last year. So while we want to point to parity and the overall goal of the salary cap, and for the most part, this is very accurate, teams are virtually the same. We are very top-heavy when it comes to quarterback play.
1: I think of this the same way I think of March Madness in the NCAA Tournament. Those Cinderella's are great in the first weekend and you don't want to see them on the second weekend and in the final four. You want to see the teams that are the best that you're more accustomed to. So I think it's a great formula for the NFL that you have seven new playoff teams, Mm -hmm. but then three of the final four were all there a year ago. Our repeats are coming back because the best era of any sport, you point to a certain time and place and you think about certain teams during that era. It's one of the reasons we loved watching Cowboys 49ers yesterday because depending on what age you are, you're thinking of those 90s rivalry games in the playoffs and those big, the marquee regular season game every year was Cowboys 49ers. The uniforms look great on the field together. If you're a little bit older, you think about Dwight Clark and the catch in 1981. Um, That helps any sport, and it helps this sport. When we think about this time right now, we're thinking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs Going to five hosting five straight AFC championship games. We're gonna think about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati and how they're on the rise. We think about Kyle Shanahan led 49ers teams when we straight. look back. And um, they've been in six of the last twelve yeah. NFC championship games. The newcomers look I just I, I think that it's good in the first weekend to have the newcomers and some fresh blood and to see some of that. And then I think it's really cool when we get to this spot and we have championship weekend. And it's teams we all know. And the newcomers to
0: the storylines are, you know, Philadelphia's the the lone team remaining that wasn't here a year ago in this moment. They went 14 and three to get the first round by. And then it sounds crazy, but Dallas is one of those teams that we thought could make a run based on the way they played in the opening round of the wild card. Um, You know, but it all goes back to uh, the quarterback play overall, but still like the, I think people still like raise an eyebrow to this. You have to be able to play strong defense and run the football well. And that was very apparent yesterday and on Saturday um, throughout the the runs that we saw. And the, the dominance by Philadelphia on the ground against the New York Giants where they rushed for 268 yards. I mean, they shredded them on the ground. Cincinnati, 172 yards. Joe Mixon go into the game over their stretch run to go into the postseason, was averaging like 2.6 yards per carry. And he averaged yesterday 2.7 yards before contact against the Buffalo Bills defensive front. Kansas City, they rushed for 144 yards against Jacksonville. And then San Francisco put up 113 on Dallas. 86 of that came in the second half where the game's tied 9-9 and they just changed their game plan starting in the third quarter on how they were going to go about trying to win the game. And uh, defensively, Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia, great job. You've got uh, Lou Amaruno, who was fantastic yet again against a top matchup offensively. I'm surprised
1: he's not getting more looks for head coach.
0: Yeah, I think he's had one interview maybe. Yeah, he's done. he's done a great job. Uh, Anarumo has been great. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, he's going to,
1: he's going to get Ryan's it. D'Amico Ryans got a lot of TV time so, yesterday, a lot more than a normal coordinator would get, and that's in large part because Fox cameras knew this guy's going to be a head coach. And then Spagnuolo. This is, his, this is his last run as a coordinator. He's about to be a head coach. They showed him the entire game.
0: Spagnuolo in Kansas City. Again, he always has his defenses playing well in the postseason. And while the trend has been offense and head coach usually goes offense right now, the defensive coordinators have been the most valuable coaches on the sideline through the postseason. And the teams that can run it, the teams that can beat you multiple ways, I go back to this from the start of the season until now, Cincinnati can do it. Even when they're not running it well, they can run it with effectiveness when they have to. Kansas City slowly did that. Uh, and they were much better than what we've been used to seeing for a hobbled quarterback with Mahomes. And I think more importantly, Chad, the teams that couldn't do it aren't winning games. They can't control the clock. Philadelphia can certainly run it well, and it, they have extensions of their pass game that count as a run for them, and then their quarterback does a, a vast majority of why they have so much success. But the Bills haven't been able to lean on their run game at all, especially yesterday when they, in the conditions, that called for that. And it almost backfired on them. Having home-field advantage really, I thought, backfired on Buffalo in many ways. Their defense couldn't get their footing. Advantage offense, especially in those slippery conditions. And then one team could run if the other one couldn't. And that team ended up winning the game
1: in the snow. Look, it's... Um- when you have a team that was Super Bowl or bust, like the Bills, which we believe they were this year, based on the expectations, based on the offseason and everything else. I know they're without Von Miller, all of that. When you lose at home the way they did in the divisional round, usually someone falls for that. Is that someone, Leslie Frazier, as defensive coordinator? Because that was an atrocious plan. Whatever they did yeah. was not good enough. I, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that. that to the Dolphins the week before, too, at home. Yeah. That's not good enough against Skylar Thompson to give up the points they gave up in that game. Possibly, yes. You can't you cannot but, line up in the NFL and allow a team to gash you to that level on the ground. The way Cincinnati gashed the Bills front yesterday. Well, it, that was well, awful. they're playing three backups too on the offensive line. And that's in maybe that's what they say, "Hey, injuries not his fault. He's good when he's got no, his I'm players." No, I'm saying Cincinnati was. Oh, yeah, on the offensive yeah, line. To no, yeah, to your point.
0: I, now, they were down to their fifth and sixth string safeties.
1: I don't know that it's going to happen, but normally normally someone takes the fall. That just some change is made. I wonder if that happens in Buffalo. Uh,
0: Joe Burrow's response post-game about, yeah, make sure those... Get those refunds. Get those refunds ready. That, that also, I mean, since he's playing with a chip on their shoulder since last year anyway, but knowing that the league was just going ahead and selling the tickets before the game had even been played, right, for the neutral site, which they've got to do. Yeah. But internally, Cincinnati
1: can use that to their own advantage. Well, and also Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk is going to have the report that we got talking about last week about future neutral site championship games based on ticket sales, based on the NFL with this trial balloon of now they're forced into doing this to see what you can do in advance for that game. I love Joe Burrow, by the way. We're going to later this week – we're probably going to rank quarterbacks currently in the yeah. NFL, and I don't want to give away where we may have him, but he's not just elite; he's in the discussion as the best. Yes, right now, I mean it's it's up for debate at this point in time. He's right there, but see, just you mentioned the the home
0: field and uh, neutral site. There is no way, and I, know, I realize there is a way. They're absolutely going to. I mean, they're taking away a, a, a home game at stadiums and putting teams in Europe because they can make that type of money. They're adding games in Europe and taking away home games for fans of that team that have season tickets. So yes, they'll, they'll do it. But as they stay in the fabric of the game for the open on CBS and you have the snow falling and the team's taking the field yesterday in Buffalo for the game that got... Uh, uh, postpone, no contest in week 17 and the matchup that we had in Buffalo. How can you take that game and put it indoors in a sterile environment and sell 70,000 tickets to, um, you know, the, the, the regional fan base that's there just to watch a game instead of watch their team compete. I don't know how you take that out of the fans hands. And what, if you're not getting the, the buy, what what's the incentive of having the first home game other than the gate for the team that i mean by and large home field advantage through the regular season isn't all that impactful so if you're the player why are you going if you're the coach why are you going all out to host that one game if in fact they're going to take you to a neutral site by the divisional round by the conference championship
1: round makes no sense yeah to refute Gordon Gecko from Wall Street a little bit. Greed is not always good. And this is an example where greed would not be good for the NFL. Uh, there comes a point where you become too greedy and you go for too much money and it can backfire. People laugh at Mark Cuban when he says, eventually the NFL is going to get too fat and get slaughtered. And they're, they're, they're going to make decisions that's going to affect oh. them. Um, I don't know that this is a decision that would sink the NFL or anything like that. I'm not claiming that. But if Roger Goodell is going to be a referee, which essentially he is, you know, for in large part, he represents the owners, represents the league, but you're serving as referee between a lot of different sides. I would hope that some owners and some longtime owners in the league, when presented with this idea and they see how much money they're going to make, but they could also come back and say, you know, we got to stick with some tradition. It's just not worth it to sacrifice what we've done for this long and sacrifice hosting championship games for our franchises and what that looks like on television, the way the league is constructed, everything else just to go get the next bag of cash that could be championship games circulating around. Hutton, I don't know that anybody's ever going to make that decision, right? They're always probably going to say, oh, it makes us X amount more than we'll do it. And that's probably going to be what happens here. I just hope against hope that even extremely rich people can get together and say, let's just do what's best for the NFL and not do this right now and not take the immediate cash and continue playing it the way we've
0: played it. Well, see, I think the only difference is, like, the argument would be, have you not seen March Madness and the opening rounds and the attendance of those games? Like, you want to take the fan out of it do exactly what they've done with the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. That's, but the, Take the atmosphere out of it. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like the college game. Well, they still get the viewership. They still have the television money coming in. And really, that's, what, that's all they
1: care about. Well, and they get the bid money from the cities. And the bid money, right. Yeah, that's, so that's you, why they're doing it. So,
0: but the difference is the NFL could do all of that and still sell out a stadium in Atlanta. On short notice.
1: And the atmosphere would be terrible. And you'd but, be eliminating I mean, one of the advantages of being the number one overall seed or being a higher seed but the, is getting that opportunity to host the, the championship The product game. itself is virtually the same and you would have a similar
0: feel to a Super Bowl-like atmosphere where, you're right, it's, it's not the same environment, not the same energy. Look. It's a very corporate it,
1: stadium. On television, you know, with the sound off, it's NFL football. If you like it, you're going to like it. It's 100 yards. <laughs> you know, you're know, you going to watch it the same way on any field. Um, I, I just don't think there, there's no stopping this. Like, what? Where does it end? You mentioned hunting the games in Europe. Now, I understand why they're doing it, and I don't mind it, but you are taking away a home-field environment, a home-field atmosphere from teams when you go and do that. I mean, if I'm just saying let's just print more money – why do you host any playoff games? Let's start it in wildcard round. Let's get wildcard weekends all over the country and have different cities bid for them and host two games. Host one on Saturday on on artificial turf and one on Sunday. And we could charge you know out the wazoo to these cities for every game. We don't have to host playoff games. I mean, there is a very slippery slope here that well, I don't know where it ends. Well,
0: the reason why they have to do that, they can't get away from that, is they have to have incentive for, number one, winning your division, And the way their schedule has set up now, they have to have their playoffs really start in weeks 17 and 18, and they need to give incentive to not rest players. That was their big point of contention whenever they moved to all this and why they put division games to end the season. So the league is never going to take that away. There's always going to be something to win at the end of the year, and that would be your home game. And I think uh, if they end up taking away the conference championship games and putting them at a, a neutral site, I think, Chad, what they'll end up doing, they'll add another playoff team to the field. They were already considering that this year as one of the options whenever Buffalo and Cincinnati didn't play. One of the options was adding an eighth team and having two buys. And I think that's another thing they could do for incentive for playing through the season and trying to grab the, the week off if you're going to end up not giving them an extra home game for making the postseason. Again, I'm not for it. I I want less teams in, not more. Um, But they can't lose on any decision they make. The product crushes it.
1: Yeah, I I hope they don't do it. Um, I I do think the product will suffer based on what I enjoy watching with football if you take away the home-field atmosphere from, from these games. But, again, there's just no stopping the money train. So it it doesn't – I don't know that it ultimately matters. They will just point to our league and our owners made this much more money because we made this decision. And that's going to be another notch in Roger Goodell's belt as, as a great commissioner because of the amount of money and revenue he's raised and what he's done with the league. So, again, I'm probably hoping against hope that they don't change this while firmly acknowledging they will probably change this simply because they can make some more money doing it. Well, at least we're not getting the neutral site this week.
0: I, for one, am glad that this game is not being played in Atlanta, even though we all want to see the rematch of last year's divisional round matchup between
1: Buffalo and Kansas City. Well, I'm way more excited to watch the Philly crowd, just because we've seen Arrowhead so much in this spot. That's fair. That's no knock at Arrowhead. It's a great atmosphere collegiate like atmosphere they've hosted the last four afc championship games so it's just not it's so new now for philly because it's been a little while yeah since they've hosted a game like this that it's going to be fun to see that atmosphere and we don't have to
0: go to la or green bay in the nfc we're getting to see this now with the eagles the 14 and 3 <laughs> and the bye uh top seed in the nfc the newcomer quote-unquote uh, to the final four in the conference championship weekend.
1: And always give me the possibility of weather, or at least cold weather, in these games. That's no knock on no. the franchise no, another... You know, fifty six degrees in San Francisco just isn't the same as snowy Orchard Park in the playoffs. Just from an aesthetic Don't take that standpoint. From us. Yeah. I mean, Now, granted, these teams, don't get me wrong, they deserve the right by their seasons to host playoff games. I'm not saying, oh, I don't want to watch that game because it's in San Francisco and the weather's not awful. I'll still watch it, but I would prefer the threat of cold or or bad weather in these games in January.
0: So if Philly's the newcomer as the team, have we seen a newcomer with the quarterback discussion despite the loss? We'll discuss Trevor Lawrence next on kick 360. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. <laughs> just to point out, too, I, the, the parody in the league, this is just the third time in the past 35 years that the AFC Championship has been a rematch in back-to-back seasons. It feels like it's been more than that because Brady was in so many of them, but we just flip-flopped Roethlisberger or Manning for the most part. So yeah, there's never that's really right. the rematch, even though it they felt alternated. like you're getting the same matchup.
1: They alternate every year. Hey, some broadcasting news that just uh, dropped. Chip Carey Mm -hmm. is leaving the Braves TV broadcast booth for the same position with the Cardinals. Uh, Sources tell The Athletic's David O'Brien, Carey, son of Braves broadcaster Skip Carey, but was raised in St. Louis and is the grandson of the legendary Harry Carey. And now he will be the Cardinals Mm -hmm. play-by-play guy. So the Braves looking for a new broadcaster
0: not always a bad thing. I
1: work for a guy that would love that job, Hutton. A dream job. Would <laughs> Love that job. Well, you back would love it day. too. You would crush it. Yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> can, can I come on the air uh, tomorrow and dispel any rumors that I've, I've taken that job? <laughs> Just open with, I'd like to first address the internet rumors that are out there. Please, someone on Twitter get it started that I'm going to be the Braves yeah, broadcaster. Ro- to replace so Chip I can Carey. come back tomorrow and tell everyone that I'm not <laughs> I haven't talked with the Braves yet. Is what I want to tell everyone. Not yet, but we'll let you know what happens.
0: Um, Trevor Lawrence is now no longer unbeaten on Saturdays. Uh, his record was thirty-seven and zero. Now he's thirty-seven and one when playing football on Saturdays. And this goes back to high school. Yes. right.
1: He played some games on state on, championship games yeah. on a yeah, Saturday and never
0: lost. You know, came back from what twenty-seven points the previous weekend, and yet I mean, th- this past weekend, I. I feel like Trevor Lawrence took a big step forward in that loss. I know that on the opposite sideline, you've got one leg, one leg Patrick Mahomes hopping around and making plays. But in the fourth quarter, when Agnew fumbled, you could still see the look on Trevor Lawrence's face like, we're, we're close, we have a long way to go, but I'm in a good spot. I didn't see a guy that was just crushed based on expectation yet. Next year, though, they're going to be the favorite in their division. Yeah. He's got pieces around him. They're up against the cap, so they've got to make some decisions on guys that they've allotted money to. But overall, the nucleus around Trevor Lawrence is fantastic. And they got the coaching hire right. That And, and Chad, watching that, you've got ETN, who is a, a star in the making. And knowing, Lawrence lowering his shoulder on that one run in the fourth, down 10, trying to go get points. That's, to me, that's a, a signal that he's not just here as a flash in the pan. I haven't seen Herbert do that, right? I've seen mm-hmm. Herbert play through the rib injury, but I haven't seen Herbert in that moment for that extra yard when it came time to tuck and run, like I did with Lawrence.
1: Andrew, on the in the YouTube chat, disagrees with you, Hutton. He yeah. says, I think the media needs to pump the brakes a little on Lawrence. He ended the season well, but Titans' game was terrible. In first half of the Chargers' game, he was mediocre at best. Um, yeah, that, that was not necessarily a bright spot for him. But I look on the flip side, you mentioned Justin Herbert, and I'm thinking when the Jags were coming back in that game, what was Justin Herbert doing? When well, Justin Herbert got the ball, the chance to go win it and get a few first downs, they go three and out. Yeah,
0: there's something to be said for that. There's something also to be said for throwing the first quarter interceptions, having an abysmal performance in the first half when it's your first playoff game yep. and you're the number 1 overall pick and you have been 2 years prior to even entering the draft and you know you you play like crap and then the second half you pull that comeback i mean it, there aren't many nfl quarterbacks that are doing that you know that have the awful performance you can describe it many ways well, and then actually
1: rebound in the same game same game, game. yeah is the big it. difference there Um, I I thought the whole undefeated on Saturdays thing was so silly when we brought it up last week, but I will admit that when Mahomes got hurt, (laughs) my first thought was... Well, another Saturday. Well, I guess we were right to talk about that Saturday streak because here it comes. Something's going to open up for Trevor Lawrence and he's going to stay unbeaten on Saturday. I mean, I really thought that when he went out. I'm thinking the Jags are going to be in the AFC Championship game and Trevor Lawrence will remain unbeaten on Saturdays throughout his entire career. I thought that. Also, like the
0: way they, Kansas City came out and scored. Lawrence drove them back down the field, ties the game. I don't know how you don't have a better plan. And he's a fantastic player. One of the best. I don't know how you don't have a better plan for Travis Kelsey, who set the new record for most catches in a postseason game by a tight end. He had 10 at halftime. How do you not cover that guy? Make someone else beat you yes. other than Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Especially without
1: Tyreek Hill. I thought Caldwell as the defensive uh, coordinator let them down on that. It's also strange to me. I feel like every time the, the Chiefs call a play that doesn't feature Travis Kelsey at tight end, <laughs> the guy's wide open. When they When bring The other tight end, and I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, no, but not uh, a huge play. Yeah. Yeah, but, in the yeah. game. And I'm like, oh, it's like everyone just takes a collective breath and says, oh, Kelsey's not in on this route, or (laughs) he's in blocking. And dude's just running wide open across the formation. I mean, practically like waving his hands in the air, I'm wide open to Patrick Mahomes. Would you rather have Kelsey or Kittle? I'd rather have Kelsey. Same. More dynamic. I love George Kittle, and he is a football player. He does it all, does it all well. I'd rather have Travis Kelsey. Coming up tomorrow, we'll begin to peek
0: ahead to the best matchups individually on the field for the conference championship games and we'll hit the big headlines of the day maybe bezos has his name in the hat even more so with the commanders maybe he owns them by tomorrow who knows who knows i kick 360 tomorrow